Hey guys. What's up? How's it going? My name is Gus David Sanchez. And my name's Calvin John Trevinko. Nice. John, really? Yeah, it's my dad's name. Oh, happy birthday, John. His birthday's in December, but I'll take it. He's <laughs> Happy early birthday, John wow. Trevinko. Yeah, I'll let him know that you said that. Thank you. I appreciate it. Or maybe he'll... No, he doesn't listen to this, huh? When I show him, when I force him to listen to it. <laughs> Other than that, no. No, I, I don't blame him. Uh, welcome to the Shop for Shop podcast. Uh, again, we are Gus David Sanchez and Calvin John Trevinko. And uh, today, we have a very special episode. Every episode is special. Every episode is special. <laughs> I'm thinking back in my head and I'm like, oh shit, every we have said special. that every episode. <laughs> um. But today we're actually talking about Death of Stalin, which is a movie that came out in 2017. Yep. And it is a farcical comedic at a well, dark com- farcical dark comedy at satire, a, yeah. Satire. So satire not farcical? Well, more so farce satire. and satire can be this intermingle. Yeah. Okay. Of the actual Death of Stalin. Yeah. So it definitely has this really good, like, peak funny moments. And then it's just like, oh, shit, everyone's... Wait, why are people dying? This is really sad, yeah. <laughs> it's like in Jojo Rabbit. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Where it's like, wow, and then... I'm just going to oh, say shoes shit. in case you haven't seen it, because that Yeah, no, I have seen it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, that's... Uh, Death of Stalin is, uh, is obviously a satire on, like, political establishments and what happens when your government lies to you which is a little ironic and on top of that um it's also just very very funny and makes i guess it makes light of a really bad or like i don't want to say bad but like a really sad thing i guess it's just more so like a dark situation i mean russia's always had some like interesting like like i don't know like oh what's the word interesting like history history with different countries like not so good like relations with countries yeah that's true and so i think looking at it from a different view from the inside instead of all of us looking in i mean that's how this movie got made because like there was the actual historical events and the things that happened right and kind of how those events happen you can almost like imply like it all implies like this is exactly what happened don't try and hide that from us you know right yeah and it's obviously taking a more it it kind of like takes a you know and other like historical adaptations uh regarding film or even comedic films Mm -hmm. um a lot of them kind of like summarize a lot of things very quickly or make things very short or kind of paint a certain part of the picture and not the full thing what I find interesting about Death of Stalin is, like, it's almost the entire thing. Like, it is almost the entire painting. It's obviously summarized a little more. You know, because it is still, it's not the true story, because every film is based on a true story. Well, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but I feel like this one, just in terms of, like, comedy biopics, like, mm-hmm. this one feels a little more, like true to what happened. And I think part beginning of that... Beginning to end. Yeah, beginning to end. Like, I feel like part of that, though, is, like... It just, you know, there weren't, like, we don't have enough details to know specifically why things played out the way they do. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so I think what's really interesting is that in this film, it takes exactly what we know Mm -hmm. and puts it in the film. And then wherever is missing, they replace with comedy. 
Hmm. Which I, I think is super interesting. Well, I think that, I don't know if a lot, I wouldn't say a lot of movies do that, but instead of, so this one, like we said, is that satirical, farcical, whatever, um, makes light of the dark situations. A lot of movies, which is different, that's just the genre it falls into. Like, right. you can talk about other historical movies where the, instead of like actual events, they fill it with a dramatic scene. Maybe they add like a love interest. Maybe they add a certain conflict between two characters in the main plot right. that maybe may have been there and they might just like, oh, they people those people had conflict even if it was minuscule. They're like, we're going to heighten that because that's going to fill those other scenes. Yeah, that's very true. Well, here's, here's what we'll do because we always do this every episode. Let's talk about the film and mm-hmm. describe what happens in it mm-hmm. and then expand on a little more detail about those no yeah for sure um so this is coming from imdb (laughs) because i mean it puts it out plain and simple you can look it up it shows it all there but this is just people who haven't seen it aren't gonna take the time you can listen to us talk about it which is even better um so just like the small okay so like we said death of stalin 2017 director you're gonna butcher the name armando ianucci 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 um the writers, it was he also Armado Iannucci wrote it with six others. Six other people wrote it with him, so it was a group of people that wrote it. Wow. That's pretty interesting. Actually, let me look at this. So it was written by him, David Schneider, Ian Martin, and then additional ma- okay. So additional material by Peter Fellows. And it's actually based on the comic book, hmm, The Death of Stalin by Fabian Nuri, based on really? the comic book Death of Stalin by Theory Robin, and the original screenplay by Fabian Nuri. Wow. So, so there's wow. a lot of adaptation, ad- adaptation, adaptation. Right. And maybe that's where all these filler and jokes came in. Especially, I didn't know it was based on a, com- like, there's parts of it from a comic book. Like, I didn't know if Death of Stalin was a comic book. Interesting. Yeah. Did you well, know that? No, I did not. But I got to say, though, a lot of the comedy in this film, not to derail it, but a lot of the comedy in this film feels very Iannucci because, mm-hmm. did he write it? I'm sorry. I just totally spaced out. Let me go. What do you got? Let me look right now. Um, so he was one of the writers for Veep. Yeah, which that's, is yeah, yeah. same um, type of thing, kind of. Yeah, that's that's kind of the comedy that I feel, and I don't. Maybe it's not necessarily from a writing credit, but more of like a just a pacing and a directing credit. Like that's just kind of what it reminds me of. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of, I guess I never really gave it much thought as to like thinking it was adapted from somebody else. You know what I mean? Okay. So, but continue. I'm, I'm no, very you're sorry. Good. So, no, I, I, six other writers, that's a lot for one film, no? Usually it's like a couple. And yeah, I mean, and like a Marvel movie has like five. Right, well, that's the Disney, the Disney people and everyone else has to. Well, yeah, and that's what I mean. Like, this is not a Disney right. film by so any means, so. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's that. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. It kind of blows my mind. All right, but brief synopsis at the beginning. So it's Moscow. This is Moscow, 1953. After being in power for nearly 30 years, Soviet dictator Joseph uh, Vizoranovich Stalin takes ill and quickly dies. Now the members of the Council of Ministers scramble for power. So basically it's a race to the finish. Who's going to get power? Right. Um, In early, so early 1953, Moscow, under the... Great terror's heavy cloak of state paranoia, the ever-watchful Soviet leader Joseph Stalin collapses unexpectedly of a brain hemorrhage. As a result, when someone discovers his body the following morning, a frenetic surge of raw panic spreads, uh, starts spreading like a virus amongst the senior members of the council of ministers. As they scramble to maintain order, uh, weed out the competition, and ultimately take power. But in the middle of a gut-wrenching roller coaster of incessant plotting, tireless uh, machinations... 
machinations. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and frail allegiances. Absolutely no one is safe. Not even the feared chief of secret police, La Vrente Beria, in the end. Who will prevail after the death of Stalin? So it's basically... Whoa, sorry. That was the mic that Calvin will just probably hit, hit a few more times. <laughs> um, that's the basic gist of the plot. That's a brief synopsis. Um, yeah, that's really what it is. It's people people picking sides. And so each side of the council picks their who they want to be in power. Ultimately, ultimately, they all do, but they're all kind of deciding on one. And backstabbing and other things follow out. Yeah, and what I think is hilarious is the nature of what you're discussing. Okay, like... <laughs> I hit the mic again. <laughs> <laughs> the nature of, like, the film and the nature of, like, what you're trying... The story, so to speak, or, like, the events mm-hmm. is very dark. And, like, the the oh, yeah. events that conspire over the course of the film is, like, very, very dark. But I cannot always... Let me rephrase that. I always find myself every time i watch this film this is like for the podcast i think that was like the 10th time i've watched this film like i've only seen it once (laughs) yeah because i love this movie i (laughs) i was this premiered at uh one of the smaller theaters in town and i remember going to a screening of it and being the only person there like uh, what is it the downtown. I think it was the Fountain Theater the is fountain what it theater? was. Yeah, you were the only person. I there? was the only person there, <laughs> and I was just, I I loved it. It was so it's such so, such a good movie. But even watching it for the first time, I had that realization of like, holy shit, this is really dark. Mm-hmm. Like the events that are happening are really really sad and really really dark. But make- I cannot help but laugh every damn time something is going on because it is just not only is it paced very well but the like we said earlier when it needs a filler in this film like in terms of like filler in terms Mm -hmm. of like conversation or what's going on or conflict it's where the comedy really shines right and so because of that it is constantly funny until the moments where it's serious and it's not like making fun of it i would no, say no not it's at definitely all definitely like because i think people love when people because when people make like those bad jokes about things that have happened in history and things that just whatever but there's sorry i don't know what i'm saying <laughs> um but like people like making light of heavy situations right and when you add a little bit of comedy even if it's not a lot it heightens it it goes a long way yeah and like I don't condone these. And when people make jokes, let's say about like, there's like 9-11 jokes that like, for goodness sake, like there's jokes about all that stuff. And people like, are like, who, but they have, they, that's like, they can't help but laugh. Right. Almost. Cause it's like, <laughs> cause it's, a, it's oh, funny. Shit. <laughs> yeah. It's sad, but it's funny. Right. And what I love about this film in particular, just kind of talking about the comedy as a whole, like there are more than plenty moments where, you know, they're clearly demonstrating the conflict or the internal conflict characters are having with one another. Mm-hmm. But some of the things they say are just so unbelievably dumb and funny. And it's just, but it's it's all relating back to the humor. Right. You know, it's not a... It's not just trying to be funny. Right. It's like, con- it's, a, it's a comedy that, it's it, like, those jokes or those things they're saying 
furthermore, like, you really get to know who these characters are, and it also precedes the story, I think. Right. Like, I mean, and I'm not picking on this guy, like, I love his films, like, without a doubt, but, like, look at, like, the Anchorman movies, okay? Adam McKay's movies, which I love. Like, I love those movies with a passion. Just a bunch of bits, almost. Yeah, but but they're almost just a bunch of bits. They're just people saying funny things, but they're not relating to what they are or who they are as characters. Whereas in this film... Well, I mean, it's not always true. I, well, it, yeah. I, in Anchorman, I mean, I think it definitely... They're definitely bits. But That's I true. think it does... So We agree that they're bits. Right. But I think for some, it's like... So you have the afternoon delight bit where they're all... Afternoon delight! Yeah. And they're all singing. It's like... They're all... The high high toxic masculinity of 1970s. That's where true. everyone is like... uh cologne and women <laughs> and i'm an anchor so we're gonna sing about afternoon delight that's fair which you, you should smell, know you smell like gasoline wow <laughs> maybe and you know what maybe I'll, I'll retract that because i think i'm comparing apples to oranges i i guess i sorry i guess i see what you're saying and how it's different there's a different feel because it is for me it might yeah it probably does take um away from the not away from the character but it doesn't always relate to the character right i think for me and you can disagree with this is that it doesn't really progress the story forward making it all bits instead of like being interweaved into the story maybe yeah you know what that's what i'm trying to say like not necessarily you know i don't mean to constantly pick on anchor managed i love that movie with all my heart so Mm -hmm. i apologize adam mckay please if you are listening to this which you are absolutely not in any fucking way (laughs) uh (laughs) Please hire me to write uh, The Big Short 2, which is about 2020. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> Big Short 1, though? Big it's Short great. 1 is great. One he best. wrote that, right? Uh, let me look. I oh, know. I just keep thinking of Steve Carell's performance in that, which you should watch. Um, the Big Short? Who wrote that? Sorry. Ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. Writers was Charles Randolph. Oh, and direct- oh he directed it. Okay. Adam McKay directed The Big Short. Okay. That makes sense. I, I knew he was a part of it in some way. It's kind of like wondering what Jed Apatow is doing in any film, any, like, ever. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, was he a writer? Was he a director? Was he a producer? Was he in it? That's, that's like, me with, with well, blank conversations. Well, he's a comedic writer, so it's like, he'll do everything, probably. That's fair. For the most part. Um, but I guess, so we agree, then, that it's different in the fact, and I'm going to keep going back to Jojo Rabbit because it's kind of the same feel for me. With Jojo Rabbit, with like yeah, the comedic, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, how the comedy is really—it's not bits; it's just like interweaved. It's like weaved into the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's progressing. Like, but it's also about the character. Like, you know, the mm-hmm. the whole joke about the imaginary Hitler. We're just going to talk about Jojo Rabbit, and not Sick. even <laughs> Death of Stalin. I will. I cry I will every too. time. I've ne- seen it three times, and I cry every time. Next episode. Sick. Sick. No. Um. No, but I think that's a good example too of like you know how the comedy relates to, or shows a version of the character that we are not seeing without the comedy. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what Death of Stalin is. Even in the, I mean, obviously the dark moments are like revelations of the characters, especially, um, uh, oh Jesus, this is what we get for watching the movie a while months ago. ago. <laughs> and, and now no, doing it was a podcast. Like, oh, was it months ago? I think it was months Probably ago. Probably like a month and a half ago. Maybe. I don't know. Which character? So, maybe this will help him. So, 
was it Khrushchev? Was it Malenkov? Beria? Beria. Beria. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so these people, those three characters are the, sort of the main three? Those are pretty much the main three, but there's like Molotov, there's, there's, the, there's, there's Stalin, there's Svetlana. Svetlana. Mm-hmm. Um, but Beria, he's, I don't want to say the antagonist, because there's no real antagonist. It, They're that's all antagonists to each other. Right. I would say in terms of the viewer, there's a little more an- antagonistic feels mm-hmm. towards Beria. But that's because Beria does some very horrible things. Right. Well, and like it's... in his real history, he's a horrible, horrible, like out of all of those guys, besides maybe Stalin. Right. That he is probably the worst. Well, it's because, well, they're thinking of when you're, because a lot of this is at the point of view of Khrushchev and Malenkov, because they're kind of those two sides too. And right. so they kind of go, they kind of go like against, um, against Beria. Almost. Right, and so those three characters are played by Steve Buscemi, Simon Russell Beale, and Jeffrey Tambor. So those are all people who you should know. But um, yeah, I think from the view of the movie, the the movie I think shows him as somewhat of an antagonist. Yeah, even though they're all antagonists because they're all terrible people in general, not the right. Others. But the <laughs> the characters they're playing aren't good people. But from the point of view of the movie, I would say Beria. Seems more of an antagonist. Yeah, and, like, I think when I think about, like, the scenes with Beria, or, like, when it's just him, he is the one person that you just kind of don't laugh at, you know? Serious the whole time. Yeah, and I think part of that is because there's no... To me, there's no attribute about Beria to laugh at. Mm -hmm. You know, Molotov, Molotov, Molotov was like a little bit of a you know because they hint molenkov Molenkov. molotov Uh, cocktail molotov cocktail i'm sorry molotov like in real life is kind of like you know the back burner like he's not Mm -hmm. necessarily at the front of things his wife gets you know sent to the gulags and then baria (laughs) releases her you know so but it's played for laughs because it's it's heightened about how much he's not like a go-getter so to speak because, like, you know, there's that scene where him and Khrushchev are in his apartment and Beria walks in and he's just like, oh, you're talking about, what's his wife's name? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, her name, is it Maria? Is it... That's West Side Story. Svetlana? No. It's Ve- so there's Maria Veniamos? Veniamos? Might be her. I don't... IMDb hasn't shown Maria. someone else. Maria... Maria. It must be her. It must be her. Because these other people like, are all male. <laughs> yeah, I guess I can't remember. But, like, um, it makes me laugh because there's that scene where Beria comes into his apartment and he's just like, are you talking about... Oh, it's know. Nina Khrushchev. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about her. Okay, never mind. Dude, the person you're talking about, keep going. <laughs> okay. Whatever her, his wife's name is, Molotov is like... Oh, you know, I mean, she was a traitor to the state. Like, she was a horrible, bad person and belongs that. in mm-hmm. the gulag. And then she walks in the door and he goes, oh, and like they my embrace. Dear, yeah, oh, I love you. <laughs> like, God. But it's like, that's such an example of like how Molotov was not necessarily constantly like involved like Khrushchev and Beria. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I think that's what's really funny. And you get that with everybody else. And then with Beria... You just get the bad things that he did. You only you see you see inside of Molokov's life and in Khrushchev's life. You don't see much into Beria's besides like his bad 
right. stuff. Like you see him in the dark situations, but then you're more, like I said, you're more into Molokovs and Buscemi, uh, Buscemi, that's who plays him, Khrushchev's <laughs> side. And so you see the little, the little sympathy heartstrings getting pulled, like with his wife. Right. Whereas with Beria, it's just Stonewall. Yeah, that's true. And like, for what's weird is, I don't know about you, but I, I didn't even notice this the first couple times I watched it. Like mm-hmm. the well, scenes, I've seen it once. Let's see. Let's see if I remember. <laughs> let's let's hope so. <laughs> like speaking of Beria, like when you talk about like the bad things he's done, mm-hmm. it's not expounded on besides like a couple of seconds in each scene. Like you know, they keep commenting on it though, right? Like the characters do kind of the, like, the comments. Can... I mean, the comments. The other characters comment on it, but like the big reveal about all of it is at the end. Um, when Khrushchev, you know, is reading his, like, what he's been charged with as the state, mm-hmm. saying that he's been, what was it, like, 40 counts of rape with, like, 12 of them being a minor. Yeah, something, something like, dark. Like, really over the top. Like, yeah. Ooh. But you, but in the film, what I think is really interesting, because for Sorry, something really like, one rape or anything like that is over the top. That's terrible. Yeah, that, but, that's just fucking the, in the movie they heighten it to make it sorry yeah keep going <laughs> but what's really interesting is this is like in the film there's only like maybe 10 seconds shots maybe five second shots mm-hmm. that even almost refer to it it's so yeah. subtle and it's so small but it's almost i didn't catch it on the first couple times i watched this movie mm-hmm. but i'm also stupid I'm, so maybe I'm that's kind of remembering that for what i do remember yeah and i think just from like that like technique of like filming or like how story like with storytelling um so i'm pulling from both of those because i do remember they didn't show a lot and i remember little clips yeah they showed but that kind of leaves it up to interpretation and imagination which makes it oh shit what did he do instead of us seeing it and like actually knowing with like with the other characters because the one i remember specifically is after he releases molotov's wife he comes out and another soldier brings up like a like a 14 year old to him and he gives her flowers and they start walking yes yes oh i remember now and then the next shot Mm-hmm. is a, the same guard bringing the girl out to her, like, this couple, and she's like, are you her parents? And they're like, yes. And then they just oh. leaves them, and then he gives them flowers. Oh, my God. I gotta watch and, like, I gotta watch it again. I gotta look at that part, because that's gonna, like, wrench my heart. Well, and, like, that's, you know, I apologize for, like, I mean, we spoiler alert for all of our it's podcasts. It's already spoil. If you're it's, watching, if you, if you are listening to this, you're spoiled yeah you're you're spoiled for listening to us (laughs) you're spoiled for listening to us and not watching the movie yourself but (laughs) for clarification though unlike a lot of the movies we've talked about this is one of those ones you should watch regardless if you listen to us or not because like with like nightmare and las cruces just don't bother you could you could choose even not to listen to us and yeah, you'd be I wouldn't living, recommend it. <laughs> you'd be living pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> but with Death of Stalin, but which the... is on the very, 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 very other end of the spectrum, you should watch it. <laughs> a, a good movie is a what good it is. A good movie. Yeah. And then there's Below Good Movie, and then I don't even know what that is down there. But I, yeah, but that's where Nightmare in Las Cruces <laughs> sits. <laughs> you know that scene in Shark Tale where he's like... 
and then there's sharks, and then there's a regular fish. Oh, that's me. No, no, no. Then there's this, this, this. He's like, oh, then, then there's me. No, there's rocks, whale poo, and then there's you. <laughs> that's Nightmare in Lost Creases. That's Nightmare. <laughs> in Shark Tale. Go watch it. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> that's a perfect analogy. <laughs> it, it works. <laughs> um, oh, yes. Um, if you're learning, if you want to learn about something that was... Because, you know, the Russians like to hide everything. Um, political climate-wise, if you're looking for something that can... I don't know, that isn't... I don't know, in, I don't want to say enjoyable to watch. It is enjoyable to watch because it's a good movie. It's, it's a good funny. movie to sit and watch, pay attention to, laugh at a bit, and also be like, whoa, like, shit happened. It's gonna... It's... I mean... Maybe this is just me, but, like, I definitely look at things whether they're timely or not and if they're relevant to the current, like, political climate. And this mm-hmm. and this is. Like, this movie, I mean, the, he did a good job. Yeah. What is it? Ian, what is the last name? Ian, Ian Nucci. Ian Nucci yeah. made it contemporary with the times. Right. And, like, the big, I mean, you know, for anybody that's out there that's like, oh, they're just talking about how bad they hate Trump or whatever, like... This movie is more about like talking about when governments lie to their people. And well that's that's what I yeah. find even okay. more interesting about this film is there are some moments in this film that you know you're talking like regular common folk are mm-hmm. involved and showing the moments of like their relevance to Soviet Union society mm-hmm. is so fascinating. Like, it's so... Because, like, I don't know about you, it's but, like... It's a different like, society, first of all. Well, yeah, it's a different society, but, like, it's so interesting because it's just, like... Let me let me put it like this. Put it down. this. It's going to be a little... It's going to be a little hot take. But the the people in this film, when you... If you watch it, what's today? August 31st? Yes. Very nice. I got the tight the date right of recording. <laughs> Sorry if this comes out like in two months from now, but uh, <laughs> but <laughs> August thirty first, twenty twenty. Here we are. Yeah, August thirty first, twenty twenty. If you watch this film in relevancy to that time, you will notice a lot of similarities, and you will notice a lot of things that are very very relevant, and it's just really interesting from like a history perspective to say, hey, wait a minute. We've been through that. You know, we're going through that. Yeah, we're we're going through that. But this was this this is 1953. Wait, what a minute. Wait a minute. What a minute. What a minute. <laughs> yeah, I think that helps with I don't know, I think that's cool about historical movies in general because there's a lot like human nature sometimes repeats itself and I think it's they try and find like the relatability and I think this movie with different features, not like emotionally and other things, which it probably does. But like the focus of it is political climate and just like the government lying to you and things like that is like a different relatability than let's say, I don't know, Private Ryan, saying Private Ryan or something. I don't right. know. Dunk, I don't know. It's like a different, it's a different feel like, oh, someone died. Ugh. Like that's a different emotional thing. Whereas this is more of an ob- observational type. I don't know. Does that make sense? It doesn't give it like... You know, when we, I mean, our last episode was Dunkirk. Right. And so the moments where people, you see people suffering or dying in Dunkirk, you feel for them. Like, you feel like. Whereas in this this movie, it's like, oh, they just did that. Like, you weren't, like, it was my, like, hole. Yeah. Like, like, you know that they probably did that, but it's, like, funny. 
in a way like it's i maybe it's, it's funny, funny and as, it's not just like soldiers or like other things it's like the government doing it yeah that's what firsthand yeah my favorite scene in this whole one of my favorite scenes in this whole film actually my this whole film is one of my favorite scenes in this whole film the whole but, hour 40 something. right <laughs> but uh one of my favorite scenes in this film is in the beginning barriot barriot is the head of the kgb um, at this time and he there's a scene where stalin has given him like the ch- this like check off check off not michael check off but like just a checked off list of like names oh and right. barrier walks outside and he starts handing it to like a bunch of different soldiers and he's like he goes up to the one guy and he's like uh let him see let me let him see her death and then kill him and then he just like nods and they walk away but like it's played for laughs and it's written to be funny. I obviously am not funny, so that probably didn't come out funny. I don't remember laughing at it because I was like, oh, what did he just say? <laughs> okay, maybe I'm just a sadist just or something. Dark. But, but so edgy. So edgy, you know. <laughs> Check out my chain wallet from Hot Topic. But, <laughs> and yes, I did have a chain wallet at one time. No money in it, but just a chain wallet. <laughs> Nothing to steal, even I though you could steal. I spent money on my wallet and had no money in my wallet. <laughs> but, but maybe that's a better observation of the film. Is no, like, I get what you're there's saying. like there's things that are written to be funny and they're portrayed in a comedic sense, but at the same time they're they're really dark and they're like moments that truly existed. You know, in that moment, like, specific... You can see that happening. Well, yeah, you're talking, like, people being sent off to the gulags. You know, that's what they're... That's what's happening is, like, they're, like, collecting people, basically. Uh, Which is really fucked up, but, like, in that moment, you can't help but be like, huh, that's kind of funny. Sick. (laughs) Ha ha. Also, because that was written. That's true. And if this was the screenplay that was from the comic book, too, they played it that way as well. Like they honed in on that. That is very six right with seven writers. Oh jeez, yeah. Um I don't know if you want to do some trivia about the movies, things we don't know. Yeah, let's do some trivia. We'll expound on them. Bum bum bum. So this is trivia from IMDB, because that's how we do. (laughs) Um this is number one. So in one scene. Uh, Beria locks a young woman in a cell and later gives her a bunch of flowers upon release. Beria was a notorious sexual predator in real life. So here we go. There we go. Sometimes driven around Moscow in search of victims to assault. Like he would get driven around by his card. Oof. After Beria had finished with his victims, they were routinely offered a bunch of flowers to accept. To accept the flowers was to imply that um, whatever had happened was consensual. To refuse could lead to arrest, torture, and disappearance. Yikes. E. Yikes, yikes, yikes. Wow. Okay, these people are <sighs> terrible. Jeez, that's a... All right. Well, oh, welcome to Shot for Shot. Something. Okay, look at this next. Sorry, we already we already expanded on that. And terrible, that person. So we're going to yeah. move on to the next we're one. We're just going to move on. The movie was actually banned in Russia. I remember this. In 2018, yeah. two days before it was due to be released, the cultural ministry stated the distribution certificate from the film Death of Stalin has been withdrawn. 
That's that's all they put in here, I guess. One member I, of the Cultural Ministries Advisory Board was quoted as saying, the film desecrates our historical symbols. Right. The Soviet hymn, Orders and Medals, the Marshal Zhukov is portrayed as an idiot and added that his movie... And added that this movie is released in advance of the 75th anniversary at the end of the Battle of Stalingrad, February 2nd, would be an affront to Russia World, World War II veterans. Yeah, but all these people were fucking terrible, <laughs> so it doesn't matter. No, I remember when this film was banned, oh, but also, like, that. it had a weird thing where, like, like some local theaters were still showing it. They were showing, like, pirated copies of it. Oh. And so they I got was, balls. Oh yeah, my God. they had like real <laughs> balls to show it. And I always think about that because I'm like, it's kind of like the theaters now that are choosing to show Tenet. <laughs> and like everybody's just going to go fucking see Tenet. I really want to see Tenet. <laughs> I really want to see Tenet, but I also don't want to pay like 15 bucks to die. <laughs> yeah, you don't want that. They did that a lot of like, if there's like films based on like foreign countries. Like, well, this one, obviously, the interview. Right. With Kim Jong-un and everybody oh, geez, in there. Yeah. That movie. But everything else is banned. In everything <laughs> else with that one. What other films do you think are probably banned in other countries? Like, what have we done a shitty job of representing that they're just like, you know what? No. Whoa. Sorry. Do you think a lot of the World War II um, movies are banned in Germany? Well, I feel like a lot of them are banned because we don't have laws that restrict the usage of the swastika, as we've seen throughout the past three years. Um, Wait, what? That's a political joke. Ha. Sorry, I missed it. Sorry. Just kidding. I'm funny. I was like, really like, what is he saying? Wow. I'm ready to answer this question. He's like, oh, geez, I should take off my swastika. (laughs) Oh, hey. Okay. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) Calvin is not wearing a swastika. I am not wearing a swastika. I'm just a meanie. He's just a... What were you going to say? <laughs> <laughs> well, like, I think because we don't have any laws that restrict the usage of the swastika, but, like, I know in Germany, like, any reference to Hitler or the Nazis or the use of the swastika is banned. But would they really, like, get rid of a movie because of that? Like, they used to get rid of video games that used to show, like, 8-bit versions of it. In Germany? Yeah. But, like... Like, they don't allow the Wolfenstein games. But, like, what if, like, the, um, like, you have Inglorious Bastards, which is, like, completely desecrating, like, the Nazi, like, right. the swastika and everything. Like, with that. I don't know it. about that. We film. don't know. But I don't like, know because that's obviously clear, but, right. like, I would assume so because it's just kind of like a, you know, done deal. They say, they're like, probably over it because, like, there's so much talk about Nazi Germany and, like, well, yeah. So like, if they're just like, no, just don't bring it in. We don't want it. We don't like, want please, it. Guys, please, guys, for the love of God. Please. They're kind of like the French that, you know, like when they surrendered, it's like, oh, guys, please just stop fucking talking about us surrendering. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know too many movies. I'd be interested to find that out. Yeah. Um, all right. Another one. So, writer and director Yanucci insisted on not having the character speak with Russian accents for two reasons. He thought it would take audiences out of the movie and would n- and did not want the actors and actresses to worry about their accents when Im- improvising. In a promotional interview for BBC Radio, five for the UK five for the UK release, Yanucci stated the Russian journalist who had previewed this movie praised the decision. Because you don't want cuz that's like the one critique cuz someone if someone's Russian and they're critiquing the movie, they're going to be like any little syllable or any little like um, slip on the accent, they're gonna be like, "Uh, oh, 
they weren't really believable. Yeah, and that's yeah, not what you, that's not the main point of the movie. That's not what they want you to do. Right. And that, that's done a lot in theater, and a lot of films do that. Like you think of all these movies that are placed in Germany or other foreign countries it's like all these british people <laughs> and you're like okay that i give a lot of credit to films that because like as much as we don't want to think it is real we are constantly in the state of everything's got to be realistic and everything's got to be fall into the world of people realism. like real yeah everybody loves realism because that's like you know it's the same thing with like the the mid 1900s like absurdism was like the big thing mm -hmm. you know what i mean so like absurdist comedies People was like loved it what who was it what's his name what's uh, the, the main dude that everyone goes to oh, shit uh, Ionesco. Oh. oh we're talking about two different people <laughs> sorry Huh. I was thinking of Ionesco, but I know who that is. So yeah, yeah. him too. Yeah, him too. <laughs> um, God dang it! All right, I'll remember. Well, yeah, you know, just the same Florida concept. Out. Yeah, like I think because realism is the time that we're living in, and everybody expects to be like realistic. Like, mm -hmm. not only is this film written to not be realistic, it's like doing something like okay, you don't have to speak in a Russian accent, plays into that. And I think that's how they kind of got away with that is like the the conversations that characters are having obviously are not real. And some of the situations probably aren't real. If you're going to so, have them talk in a Russian accent, just have them speak Russian. Right. Like that's get the, Russian actors. What's the, to, what's the point? If you're going to have if they're going to be set in Russia, you're going to be like, do a Russian accent. Just put make them speak imagine, in Russian. Imagine Steve Buscemi with a Russian accent. Oh, Lord. Imagine okay. him as like the, the his character from iCarly. With, like, the skateboard. He was in iCarly? Isn't that where the How Do You Do Velo Kids comes from? I don't remember him being in iCarly. I thought that's where that comes from. Maybe oh, I'm totally... I hope so. I really oh, hope geez. you're right. Oh, my God. I will be a fucking god if I just I'm think right. of Monsters, Inc. with him. <laughs> um, I was going to say, a lot of movies do that, too, cause so you don't pull attention. And I think the... I already brought it up, but Inglorious Bastards does a great job because the people who have German accents also speak German the whole time. Right. The movie is 75% in is subtitles. Right. Um, and you have Valkyrie with Tom Cruise <laughs> and everybody, which is, I honestly like that movie. I personally. have not actually seen no? it, to be honest with you. Do you know with Valkyrie? It's the, mm -hmm. it's the assassination, assassination attempt, attempt, assassination on, attempt. attempt on Hitler, where they like... Um, it's the table bomb. They talk about right, it in right, right, Rapp, yeah, I have the table yeah. bomb and stuff. Yep. And they end up killing him. And yeah. then and they um, try to all take power back over Germany. And right. then Hitler kills them all. Yeah. That's a decent movie. I have not seen that. that it's actually kind of good. Oh, you should watch it. Interesting. We should. It's not funny. It's a drama. Next but, episode. Um, <laughs> After da -da -da. Jojo Rabbit. <laughs> um, another fact. So Jason Isaacs wears fewer medals in the real life Georgi Zukov. Writer and director Armando thought that the real number of medals was too unbelievable because... Really? Whoa. Wow. Holy. I mean, you think about, like, Russians and they don't want to be... They all want that high power. They all want to be looked up to almost as gods, like North Korea right. almost. Where, like, they treat Kim Jong-un as a god. And, right. And, like, how Hitler was treated as a god. And so... 
I think the medals are the representation there, where it's just like an unbelievably number of medals. And that's funny that they used fewer medals than the real <laughs> like guy, because the even there, there's a slow-mo when he takes off his big jacket and all his medals start jingling. It's funny. <laughs> like, it is so, like, co- like comical, top. like, how many medals. But that's, it's even funnier to think that the real Didn't guy had more mouth. medals than... <laughs> Jason, by the way, like a side note for a second, Jason Isaacs actually might be the best part in this film. He has some of the funniest dialogue in this entire thing. He plays the the top war general at the time during the Soviet Union. He played a general during World War II. And he has some of the funniest lines in this movie. Like, I think my favorite is probably... uh, He's not showing up on here. Oh, jeez, what does he say? He's like... I'm going to I'm going to represent the Soviet Union head the buffet. Oh, that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or what else is he? Oh, his big th- his first <laughs> entry line is like what does a war hero have to do to get some lubricant around here? <laughs> that is so I don't know what other movie could write such a great line like that. It is so funny. <laughs> Lucius Malfoy, man. <laughs> Jason Isaacs. Oh my goodness. Never change, Jason Isaac. Never change. Please. You do you. <laughs> know what I'm saying? Um Do you want another trivia? Yes, please. Oh, give me a sec. What the where is that? <laughs> trivia, trivia, trivia. Oh my god. So budget was thirteen million. Opening weekend it made one million. Gross eighteen eight million. Worldwide gross twenty four million. So it didn't make a ton. But yeah. Well, again, if I was the only person, I remember going to like, you know, because like the Fountain Theater is like the small theater in this town. So you're kind of like, nobody will go. Right. I remember seeing Call Me By Your Name on like the uh, Wednesday night and that entire theater was sold out. Like who goes to first of all, who goes to Call Me By Your Name in Las Cruces, New Mexico? And then who goes to call me by your name on a Wednesday night? Everybody who wants their name to be called. Want to know a fun fact? What? On a really, really unrelated note regarding call me by your name. Um, I went on a date to see that film, which is probably one of the worst decisions I've ever made in my life. <laughs> just I haven't kidding. actually seen I'm it. I'm just kidding. No. It's a great movie, but uh, there's a scene... For the people listening at home, there's a scene with a peach, and there's a scene where he. Do you mind if I spoil it for you, or would you? Sure, I'm ready. Okay, there's a scene. This is this is gonna be a really weird episode. Like not even special. It's just gonna be a weird episode. Special. (laughs) We uh, there's a scene where Timothy Chalamet masturbates with a peach. Sick. And I remember, you know, it's you don't see him masturbating with it, but you see his really? face, like you see his reaction. And we were in like a theater full of old people. Maybe that's the only kind of people that would go to a movie theater on a Wednesday <laughs> night. But it was just in a theater of like old people. And she went and when Timothy Chalamet finishes, she went, that's it. <laughs> and all the old people just turned to her and just went, what the fuck? What do you? They said did that. Just, did they all say like <laughs> probably? Like they all just like looked at us, just like, why did you say that out loud? Who are you? Oh God! 
<laughs> I think th- I think about that a lot. You think about the peach? I think about her saying, that's it? <laughs> a lot. Like, okay, here we you're go. You're like, oh, geez, now I got to, what am I going to do? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, we are horrible people. Nice. No, there's worse people. Like these guys in this movie. When Joseph Stalin collapses from a stroke, one guard, hearing his collapse from outside, asks if they should investigate. The other guard replies that he should shut up before Stalin kills both of them for entering without permission. (laughs) Stalin left explicit standing orders not to disturb him while he was sleeping under any circumstances, with disobedience punishable by death. It's one reason why no one tried to investigate when he didn't wake up at his usual time. Yeah. Yikes. God, I am not surprised, but that is also a very funny line. It's just like, should we do something about him? Should we open the door? It's like, if you want to get us both fucking killed. (laughs) Oh, there it is. Here it is. This movie is based on a two-volume award-winning French graphic novel. French, too. Wow. Interesting. Not Russian. Yeah. When... All right, we're going to do one more. There's a lot on here, so we're going to do one more. Let's, yeah, make this the last one. When... Nikita Khrushchev, Steve Buscemi, comforts Svetlana, who is played by Andrea Riseborough. She buries her head in, in, she buries her head in her hands and says, "I might as well just shoot myself like mother." On November 9, nineteen thirty-two, Svetlana's mother, Nedzada Sergeyevna Alieva, has a public spat with her husband, Joseph Stalin during a dinner party over the effects of the government's collectivization program on various peasants in the USSR. She then went up to the bathroom. God damn it. And shot herself. I'm sorry. I have long arms. (laughs) But yeah, that's some trivia about the movie, if you haven't haven't seen it. And cool things that we didn't know, for yeah, sure, either. Yeah, some things we did not know. And yeah, definitely, this is one This is one of the few films we will absolutely recommend anybody to watch. Yeah. Um, and we promise you, this is not like a Tusk situation, where it's like, Don't oh, this it. sounds like a really weird film. Don't watch it. Don't watch Tusk. Watch this film instead. Listen to us talk about Tusk. Yeah. What it, we're on a track record right now. We're, we're saying, watch Lighthouse. <laughs> Don't watch Night and Lost Cruises. And then watch all the other ones. Yeah, Night and Lost Cruises. Nightmare and Lost Cruises. <laughs> Night and Lost Cruises. Yeah, watch Lighthouse, and then watch this film. Yeah. So. Cool. That's oh, that's our review. That is the official Shot for Shot podcast review. You want to give it a grade? Ooh. What would you uh, give this? Out of out of 10. You can do point. You can do decimal system. I will, I will give this film a 9.5 out of 10 Holy Stalin. Holy shit, that's a high Stalin. Yep. I'm going to give it like an like a 7.9. Really? 8.2. Okay. I liked it. Um, I've only seen it once, so I think I need to watch it again. There's definitely some really good bits. Um, it's just, I think I need to watch it again to be sure. But as of right now, it's a wavering 7.9, probably an 8.2. But okay. A two Stalins. Hey, that's still pretty good. Yeah, not gonna that's lie. a high grade. That is a pretty high grade compared to everything else we've watched. Yeah. <laughs> so. So sick. What We haven't done a grade for everything else, so what do you grade? I will throw all of the films we've watched at you mm-hmm. and let me know your grade, okay? Gotcha. So, Lighthouse. 9-6. Nine, 9-6. Six. 
Shit. I'd agree. I'd actually agree with that. Lighthouse isn't perfect, but it's amazing. But it is a great film, yeah. Um, I don't have a ton bad to say about it, except you need to, like, really, really pay attention. That dialogue is a lot. Yeah, watch it with some... I remember when we watched it with Brie the the first time, and Brie was like... I don't enjoy like I don't know what's going on. And then she picked out what it was about though, and none of us did. Yeah, none of us did. But then we watched it with subtitles the next time, and she was like, "Oh, I get what they're saying." Yeah, we get it now. Yeah. <laughs> no, she understood that. She not only she didn't watch it with the second time. I don't think. Yeah, she did. No, it was me, you, and Ben. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. Okay, never mind. So named, you, you. Okay. We have a friend named Ben. Yeah. But the second have... time is when I understood what the hell was going on. Okay, that makes more sense. Never mind. I don't know who people are. So nine six, you agree with nine six? Yeah, I'll agree with nine six. Okay. Uh, Nightmare in Las Cruces. Uh, I'm gonna give it a. Hmm, I'm being generous. I'm gonna give it like a one eight. I'm not gonna be generous and give it a zero. So it's complete zero out of ten. Zero out of ten. Wow. There, I, mean, I know. I, I think, know. I think anything under five is like, should I watch it? But a one is like. <laughs> I know like four-year-olds that can pick up a camera and learn <laughs> premiere pro and still do a better job than anything that nightmare in las cruces mm-hmm. is so okay i see i see your 1.8 though i see 1. it 1.8 i um, tried These people really cried a lot what else did we do mr. uh fantastic yeah mr fox you go first this time i give it a nine a nine yeah um i would give it like a because nine's generous. We got to give some middle numbers in there, too. Yeah, man. No, 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 no. I'm, you stay with your nine. You, okay. That was your first instinct. Give it a nine. It's good. I'm probably going to give it like a seven, six. Okay. See, I I think I actually agree with you more because <laughs> I like I give it a nine thinking because I was thinking of Nightmare and Las Cruces. So I was thinking, oh, anything is better than Nightmare and Las Cruces. But realistically, and this is a hot take. I'm not the biggest Wes Anderson fan. Any of them? Is there any that you love more than others? I think, honestly, Fantastic Mr. Fox is my favorite out of his catalog. Really? Even more than Grand Budapest? I think Grand Budapest is fine, but I really just don't have any interest in, like... Mm -hmm. If I started it, I would not finish it. Okay. Let me say that. He's got weird stuff. It's definitely weird. Yeah, I mean, it's not necessarily weird. It's just more of, like, I... (sighs) Like, I guess for me, it's just like, I don't necessarily see the substance, but I also know the substance is not for me. I get you. You know what I mean? So maybe that's... But that might not, might... it just might not appeal to Because I, I think his films are very well done. I think oh, yeah. they are... Um, at some points, you were like, wait, what? They're, I think they're very odd, and yeah. they're shot very artistically, and I oh, love yeah. that. The cinematography and just yep. the whole like symmetry of all of it is gorgeous. Um, the reason I give it a 7.6 is because I think Mr. Fox gives it is kind of has a slow rap. At yeah, some that's it true. definitely is like oh, and then you're like, and then it ends. I think there's like it kind of just like goes and then stops at some point. That's true. Um, but that's our take. That's my take on that. My opinion about Wes Anderson might change if we ever live to see French Dispatch. It might be good. I, I'm more excited. That might be the one Wes Anderson film that I enjoy out of everything else he's done. Probably because Willem Dafoe's in it, but... He's in Budapest. Yeah, but... 
I like Budapest a lot. Yeah, Budapest is my favorite for sure. I was like, that's what everyone says, but Budapest is so good. So yeah, I can't. I guess that's fair. I'm I also like, well, you don't have to well, agree with me. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I was like, Willem Dafoe's in Spider Man Three for like five minutes, but nobody will say, oh, I love Spider Man Three for Willem, Willem Dafoe. Dafoe. <laughs> Got it. But <laughs> everybody says I love Spider Man Three for Tover Grace. That's what everybody in the world says. That's a Venom, right? Yeah. <laughs> that 70s show? Yeah. <laughs> Sick. Sick. Um, um, what's next? Tusk. I like how neither of us want to give our opinions like first. Four or three. Really? Wow. I mean, that's still not great. No, that's still means. not great. I mean, it's definitely got a whole arc to it. Yeah. I think there's decent acting. Um, I mean, it does have an arc. doesn't mean the plot's good. Yeah. So it's heightened beyond belief. Um, scenes go on too long, but it does have a... I think the acting's decent. It's just weird and longer than it needs to be. So that's why I give it a 4-3. Okay. I give it a 5. I a give five. it an odd 5. And like the reason being is because I agree with everything you're saying that it's too long. Or like scenes just run on too long. Some of the dialogue is just like my favorite uh, still to this day is the tree. <laughs> the tree. The tree. <laughs> but it's the last line in the show. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it is. I know it is the last line. In Holy the movie. shit, it is. I forgot about that. But uh Or it's I probably only like, come on, let's go when she has a movie. I only give it a five because from like a cinematography and lo- like a coloring and a looking standpoint, it's very simple. You like that? I would prefer simple over bad. You know what I mean? Because there's some bads. A Nightmare in Las Cruces is bad. Like this, even the cinematography is fucking awful. There's nothing like there's no substance there's, to it. There's nothing good, but like no e- offense to the family. It's like obviously a terrible thing that happened, but, but that movie fucking sucks. But even the look of that film is terrible, okay? And as bad as Tusk is, I can at least admire its simplicity. You know, it doesn't do anything, like, artsy with its cinematography. No, it's The coloring is very simple. It's a simple horror movie about a guy that gets turned into a fucking walrus. Yeah. Besides that one flashback scene where they didn't use the Super 16, (laughs) like, ratio, everything else I give it a pass for. Mm -hmm. Um... So that's that one. What's next? Dunkirk? Dunkirk. You first this time. This is a hot take. Oh, you love it though. Yeah. You love Dunkirk. I, I give it a I give it an eight six. Eight six? Yeah. Mm. Why? Why do you give it eight? You like the cinematography, obviously. Well, I, I like the cinematography. I love the time factor in that film. That is really cool. That is mm-hmm. so cool. And I honestly think it is cooler than what he did with Interstellar. Interstellar, Interstellar is different, whereas Interstellar is just like stack on stack on stack. Right. But what I'm saying is, is Interstellar plays with time, the, not necessarily the same way, but in a similar, unique fashion that Dunkirk does. Okay. You know, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the timelines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. And so I would say Dunkirk is more interesting in their timing Mm -hmm. than interstellar okay yeah i can agree with that so i give it that um but i also i also think i know that there's some historical problems like we talked about last episode with it 
I know there's some problems historically with it. Yeah. But But like we said, movies do that so it can be more relatable and we can be more interesting to people. Yeah, that's true. I think for me, it's hard, I don't know. It's been all the road because I didn't love it and I didn't hate it. Right. Mm, like a six nine. Okay. For me. I I don't know. I just there is some things where I was just kinda like, it looks nice, it's cool, good movie, good acting. Good soundtrack. I don't know. There's just something about it with like the. I love heavy dialogue. I love hearing dialogue, and like yeah, watching I conversation I, play yeah. out. It's not a lot of lines in it, which is fine, and I respect that. But just for me personally, I love the twists and turns and paragraphs and monologues and back and forth conversation. That's fair. So yeah. One well, no, fun fact about that: hmm. the film for like the script for Dunkirk, seventy six pages. And then didn't you say? <laughs> didn't you say most like films are like 300 or more well normally like uh in terms of film not theater but for film that's what i meant yeah for yeah film. Um, obviously not for theater oh my god 300 right. pages <laughs> god uh for film it's a minute a page so like 120 minute film would be 120 pages okay you know what i mean well, that nice. film is a little over two hours i think I think it was an hour 40-something. So kind of close, yeah. Well, actually, we can look this up. We can look this up. But yeah, so even that alone would be really interesting. Because think about mm. it like this. Nightmare in Las Cruces is an hour and 20 minutes. God, it feels like five hours. <laughs> well, where is it? Here we go. Give me a second. Yeah, that's true. And then you have like all Quentin Tarantino films are minimum of two and a half hours uh, yeah. regard, besides Reservoir Dogs, which is an hour and a half, I believe, or Well, less. Once Upon a Time is... Almost three. Three and a half, so... Is it really? Mm-hmm. Maybe like three... Sorry, I burped. Three and 15 minutes, maybe. Uh, okay. Dunkirk's an hour 46. Once Upon a Time is... Is two hours and forty minutes. Really, yeah. Dunkirk? No, Once Upon a Time. Oh, Once Upon a Oh, what the fuck? Where? Did you play Hateful Eight? What are you talking about? Oh, um, you know what? Yeah, extended version of Hateful Eight because that's it's my like favorite. Four Quentin hours. Tar- yeah, that's a very long. If you like heavy dialogue, that's the movie you should watch. <laughs> that's those are like the two ends of the spectrum for Calvin is like Dunkirk where there's not a lot of dialogue. <laughs> And then Hateful Eight extended version, which is four hours, and it's all dialogue. It's just such interesting dialogue, though. I That's my favorite Quentin Tarantino film. I, I don't know which one is mine. Django's good and Glorious is good. That's fair. Pulp Fiction's okay. I Hot take. Pulp Fiction is not as good as everybody thinks it is. Yeah, it's a culty thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, it's a film student thing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was directed at you, film students. Take offense. We should probably wrap this up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, you got to hear our ratings and all the movies we've done, and we'll probably do that more continuously now because that's kind of fun. Yeah, that actually is pretty interesting. Um, so. But yeah, that is The Death of Stalin, directed by Armando Iannucci. Oh, sorry. I should have said the last name after you, so say that's that. That's all right. Again. Armando Iannucci. Very good. And now we can leave because we did it. Yep. All right. Well, this is Shot for Shot Podcast where we talk about our... Favorite, well, not favorite. We talk about weird films that we've watched and other films that we just enjoy and let you know about what we think about them. Yep. 
And thank you for tuning in, and we will see you on the next episode. See you next time. Bye. Bye.